You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. Redemption City Church. Uh, privileged to have this opportunity just to, to open the word. Trust everybody is doing well, managing with lockdown. Some, some light at the end of the tunnel, seems like, uh, but we uh, continue to press into all that God has for us. Um, maybe before we get into the word, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you say that, you, that if we come and humbly accept the words planted in us, it has the power to save us, to heal us, to restore us. And so we come humbly before your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to pick up where Terry left off last week. Terry started to lean into just a short series, you know, what a time for the church to be the church, that we want to understand the church that Jesus is building, the church that he is leading, and the church that he is coming back for. You know, the Greek word for, for church is ecclesia, the called out ones. And really just want to kind of lean into that a little bit more this morning and hopefully unpack more of that for us. I'm going to pick up in Matthew 16, the same as Terry did uh, last week. And you realize, uh, if you know the story, it's when Peter has this revelation from the Father that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah, the one that would redeem and save the world. And uh, in verse 18, uh, in Jesus's response to Peter, he says, I tell you that you are Peter, and the word therefore Peter is little pebble. And on this rock, really on this boulder, uh, speaking about the revelation of Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overthrow it, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And really, I just want to pick up on two key points here this morning. Um, firstly, is this, is that Jesus is the one that very clearly says, I will build my church. I will build my church. And uh, the second point that I want to highlight is that he says to the disciples, he says to, to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Um, that's a picture not so, as much of authority as it is a picture of stewardship. Um, the steward in, in, in those times was a very powerful figure. The, king, the king's steward would have the keys to, to the resources of the kingdom. In a sense, the steward had the authority to open and close doors, uh, to divide out resources, to allocate... Uh, food, etc., etc., And so it's, it's an amazing thing that, that God says to us, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Under the authority of the king, he gives us the ability, in a sense, to administrate the resources of the kingdom on, on, on his behalf. But I think the critical point that I want to make this morning is that there's a very clear distinction from a job description perspective. Jesus says this, I will build my church and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. We so often want to flip that job description around and think that it is our responsibility to, to build the church and Jesus will bring the kingdom. But the simple reality is that Jesus makes it quite clear. No, the church is mine to build. 
then I give you the responsibility of pursuing kingdom. Matthew 6 verse 33, it says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. There's, there's so much that accrues to us when we put the kingdom first. And so uh, we get into trouble when we, when we flip the job description, when we make it our responsibility to build the church. And in many ways, what you see over time is you see the church is a reflection or what we call the church is, becomes a reflection of man's attempt to organize the life of God. Church history is full of movement after movement, breakout of the Holy Spirit again and again, and man then coming in and building a movement or imposing a structure, you know, triggering a denomination, whatever it may be. And, uh, and history is littered with accounts of the fact that uh, the previous move of God that, that has now become, in a sense, institutionalized, persecutes the new breaking out of God, the new expression of the life of God, the inspiration of God. And when man gets involved in building the church, what often happens is the order of the explosion of life, the order of the maternity ward, gets turned into the order of the graveyard. When man gets involved with building the church, it turns to structure. It becomes uh, so much about imperialism. You know, imperialism. It's so, it becomes isolationist and is driven by branding and by style. Whereas when Jesus is building the church, it's really just about the explosion of life. Um, you know, the whole church growth movement, in a sense, is premised on the idea that it's our responsibility to build the church, to structure the church, to shape the church. And I want to I propose to you today that actually that is not our responsibility. That is not our responsibility, in a sense, to stretch out our hand to control what God is doing. Um, to, to impose our perceptions, our limited perceptions of how things should be done. I want to say this. I want to dig a little deeper and just read out of Ephesians 4, verse 1. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you are called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, and in all. And it's very clear from the scripture that actually the Bible says there is one body under one Lord. There's one God, one faith, one baptism. Um, it's very easy for us to, to look at that and then to look at the church at large, to look at the church across the world and say, well, gee, is this scripture lying? Is this, I mean, you know, is this not the truth? I mean, the world, the church seems so fragmented with all the denominational lines and schisms and sects etc that are out there and uh, I think I think it's more our perception that actually has to change that uh, that we believe the word we start with the premise that the word is true and if that is true that if there's one church then really what we start to understand that actually much of what we see from a structural perspective may not be the same thing may not actually be the church and you start to realize that actually the the, the lines, the schisms, the divisions that exist across the body 
are not as much God's, God's initiatives as they are man's initiatives. And in a sense are transient and temporary and will not make the transition with us into eternity. There's not going to be a divided body in eternity. Um, and so uh, when we think about those, when we look at those divisions, when we look at the schisms and the splits and all those kind of things that exist across the body, we realize that there are at best man's, uh, man-made attempts to control the organic life of God, to put, to impose order on the organic life of God and turn it into something manageable. Unfortunately, it always turns institutional. At worst, those divisions and denominations and, and structures that have been imposed on the body are actually demonically inspired arguments and pretensions, setting themselves up against the knowledge of God, opposing Jesus building his church and really calculated to divide and conquer the body and really actively suppressing the very thing that Jesus is building. It is interesting that in this season where so much in a sense of the externals of church are stripped away, buildings, structures, meetings, so many of those things are stripped away. We're forced to consider what is the essence of church? What is the essence of being the church? What is the thing that Jesus is building? What is just the stuff, just the externals? And what is the thing that Jesus is building? It's interesting that so much of the institutional church, so much of church structure uh, are made up of structures that become self-serving, structures that in a sense are man-made, structures that begin to determine people's behavior. And I want to challenge us this morning to, to come back to, in a sense, just thinking very simply about what the church is. Uh, I'm very aware of this reality, that structures take on a life of their own. And in a sense, demand subservience. Lots of time and energy is expended towards propping up and sustaining those structures. And in this season, it's critical for us to, you know, as we get out of the season, to remember the season where God has actually stripped many of those things away and to come back to the essence of the church. And so when we, you know, by and large, I think what we've considered this morning is what the church is not. But I want to I spend a bit of time just saying, well, what is the church then? We start to realize that actually the church is every single person that has bowed their knee to the name of Jesus. Every single person that has confessed Jesus as Lord of their lives. It is the people, not the building. If it is the people and not the building, then you realize we can't do church. We can't even go to church. We can only be the church. And in essence, what I wanna what I wanna leave us with this morning is this reality that in this season, as we as we in a sense have experienced some of the stripping away of the externals, it's forced us to come back to this reality of being the church, being the people that God has called us to be. Um, my second point out of that that original scripture was this was that I will give you the keys of the kingdom. That our responsibility is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to us as well. I want to, it becomes so simple when we strip away the externals. Now, at the most basic level, the growing and the expanding of the kingdom is about people bowing their knee to the name of Jesus. Every 
at, at the most basic level, the expansion of the kingdom is about evangelism, is about people giving their lives to Christ. And I don't know about you, but certainly I think for me, I've found just a multiplied opportunity in this time to share something of the love of Christ, to share something of our relationship with Jesus. And so I want to leave you with this thought that, that in 1 Timothy 2 verse 1, it just says this, it says, um, you know, I urge first of all that prayer, thanksgiving, and intercession be made um, for everyone. And it goes on to say, after that segment about praying for those in authority, it goes on to say, Jesus who wants all men to be saved and to come to a saving knowledge of the truth. I want to leave you with this thought that actually may be in this season the most pivotal thing that we can be doing uh, directly involved in the expanding of the kingdom is, is owning firstly the process of intercession, praying, praying for people, praying for those that don't know Christ, praying for those that are struggling in this season, trusting God for opportunity to witness, to, to speak to the life of God, to testify to his life within us, to testify why we're not afraid, not concerned, uh, to testify to the personal relationship that we have with Jesus. Um, and secondly, to take the opportunities that God gives us um, to share the love of Christ in this season. And so just, just to, to wrap up this morning, just to remember, Jesus says, I will build my church. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus is about building his church. He is still building his church. His church is alive and well across the nations that he calls us to seek the kingdom. And at the most basic level, what we're trusting for in this season is that we'd see many people bow their knee to the Lordship of Christ, that we'd see an expanding kingdom, not in some kind of imperialistic way, but really just with the simplest, you know, the, in the most simple way possible, new believers being brought into the fold, uh, people coming to Christ, people bowing their knee to the name of Jesus. Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, I do ask, yeah, that you would stretch out your hand. Just think of Acts chapter 4, Lord, which says, you stretched out your hand to heal. And the believers prayed for boldness and said you filled them with the word of God and with boldness. And we just ask, Lord, in this season that you will, you would stretch out your hand to heal. And that, Lord, for your church, for every person, for the ecclesia, for every person that has bowed their knee to the name of Jesus, you would give them boldness, that you would fill us, fill us with your word, Lord. That as the opportunities come in this season to pray, to, uh, to lay hands on the sick, to trust people, to trust for recovery, Lord, to, to testify to your goodness, to testify as to why we're not afraid. Um, Lord Jesus, that you would, you would come and you would meet with us in each of those situations. And so, yeah, as we go into this next week, we commit this week to you and ask you for divine appointments, Lord, just key opportunities to speak to who you are and what you've done what it is that you are doing in this season that uh, that lord we could come out of this season seeing just a multiplied fruitfulness and a multiplied impact despite all that's going on in jesus mighty name amen god bless you guys i want to remind you you have those two emails spun up prayer 
at redemptioncitychurch.com if you need prayer or if you need us you want to engage the body in praying for others and secondly rcc cares at redemptioncitychurch.com if you have any physical practical needs or are aware of others that have practical needs uh, please do uh, email us and we'd love to get involved god bless you guys amen